Oscar season. That we are. Yeah. Um, I just, there's one movie that I just feel particularly, I'm wondering, I just, I feel like Infinity War would have been a better choice than <laughs> Black Panther. I just, I don't, I don't know what it well, is. Yeah, about, what's like, the deal with Black Panther yeah. getting a nomination? Infinity War is like wow. the culmination I don't of the know. I, 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 I mean, come on, man. It's not like Black Panther like broke all the rules and like, taught Hollywood that they can make a shit ton of money by making movies about something other than white men. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, like, maybe it's just like, I, I don't know, I'm going to call it like this, uh, like, film anxiety or like, uh, I don't know, what, what, what what's the film equivalent of economic anxiety? Is, I don't know, but I just feel that, you know, Infinity War should have taken that yeah. nom. Wow. Yeah. I mean... It is kind of wild that a comic book movie is nominated for Best Picture, though. Yeah, and I do think it's an amazing leap. And there's, you know, the people that have said, you know, uh, Dark Knight should have been nominated. And that may be the case. It was a pretty damn good movie. Uh, And I just think at the time that it wasn't, like, the Academy wasn't ready for it. There's no going back now. So, like, let's just move forward and hope that this opens the door for other movies that are amazing and also fall into the superhero category yes. to be nominated yeah. in the future. And not feature. having to make up some bullshit popular category. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> dumb. That was super dumb. And um, I think the Dark Knight got the award that it should have gotten. I mean, the reason why we talk about the Dark Knight so much is because of Heath Ledger's performance and he got a posthumous Oscar for his performance. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm happy about it. Um, even if it doesn't win, I think it's amazing that it's got a nomination because it's definitely up against a lot of really amazing movies, yep. too. So. Yeah, I mean, it's got some it's, tough it's competition. Yeah, yeah, like Roma. Clansman and Roma. Yeah, which is Roma like the first non-English nomination for an Oscar Best Picture? Oh, I would have to look that up. Or, yeah, or we, should ask, yeah. we should ask Amanda. Yeah, I wonder about that. What about the Roberto Benigni film? Life is Beautiful? Life is Beautiful. Was that in English? I don't know. I, don't I, I haven't seen it. Since it came out. <laughs> Amanda, if you know, please yeah. let us know. Hey, Amanda, if you're listening to this episode, uh, hit us up on Twitter and let us answer this question the for power us. power of the internet can help us with this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so speaking of amazing movies, uh, yeah, we... Uh, that have won a bunch of awards also. Yes. <laughs> uh, we watched the classic Casablanca. Casablanca? Casablanca? Casablanca. 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 <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Yes, it's our our romance. romance. Our love letter to you, the listeners. And this is my first time seeing this movie. Uh, I'm I'm sure Tara's seen it before, and we all borrowed Cullen's DVD. (laughs) Yeah, this was my pick, so I've seen this movie a lot. Uh, So yeah, why don't you give us a little breakdown on? Uh, I mean, should we even worry about spoilers for this? For a it's... movie that came out in January of 1943? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're okay. All if, right. If, if, if... If you haven't seen it, you should see it, and that's all we're going to yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> so this will be like another straight through. Uh, oh, Considering and then... all the other movies that you may have seen that spoil the ending, I think we're well, okay. And just the cultural <laughs> osmosis of the ending of this movie and what this movie's about yeah. and everything. I think you you probably get it, even if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, so this movie uh, came out in 1943. It's directed by Michael Curtiz. Um, it's about... Um, this man who's living in Casablanca and he's running a cafe there and there's a lot of refugees from the Second World War who are filtering through Casablanca trying to get to America or to get anywhere to get out 
of Europe. Um, and he kind of is not taking care of anybody. He doesn't, but uh, some German couriers are killed and they have on their possession some letters of transit, which are not a real thing, um, which allow you to uh, uh, anyone just safe passage to get anywhere they want in the world. So this becomes the MacGuffin that we are chasing throughout the movie. Um, And a resistance leader named Victor Laszlo is coming into Casablanca and the Germans are there. They're trying to stop Victor Laszlo from escaping Casablanca. Turns out Victor Laszlo comes to town with his wife, who used to be Rick's lover when he was in Paris. And it's all about, it's basically the movie is about sacrifice and how Rick and his lover Elsa sacrifice their love for the betterment of the world to keep Victor Laszlo going, to keep Victor Laszlo fighting the good fight against the fascists and the Nazis. And it's a really beautiful story. Yes, and how Rick's cynical shell underneath there, they tap into that sentimentalist slash former... um, fighting against the fascists, right? There's lots of um, commentary about how he used to be on the good side of the fight and now he's neutral, but yeah. how he comes back to... And, and there's, throughout the movie, he's always saying, I don't stick my neck out for anybody until he does. At the end, like, he goes through this transformation because he remembers about the love that he had and... The transformational it, power of love. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, so I felt one of the first thoughts that I had was this feels like the bar in Marwin call. <laughs> Rick's cafe is the bar is the bar in Marwin call a little bit. Yes. Because yeah, it's like everyone kind of like hangs out there. Like it's like Nazis come in, like yeah, neutral Nazis yeah. come in, but the French resistance are still there, but they all have to get along. Yeah. <laughs> and there are some elements of like that, you know, Rick's Humphrey Bogart, you know, played by Bogey kind of old style macho yeah. World War II. Yes, you're totally right. Actually, you have to say about this first. Yeah, because... I really want like first yeah. impressions of somebody who is like seen for the first time. Uh, yeah. Well, first thing, like when I first saw that it was like based in Morocco. Uh, given <laughs> the month that we've had so far, apparently Black History Month has become Blackface History Month, uh, <laughs> and so I was just like considering the time frame of this movie. Yes. I was like waiting. I was like, is, is this going to happen? Yes. Is it... Luckily, it didn't happen. I was no I was so grateful. <laughs> That didn't happen. Oh, there are some problems. There are some. There are apparently no 19, black people in Morocco. There are some There's 1940s like, <laughs> mentalities with regards to race in this film. Oh but. yeah. Oh yeah. Like one of the first things like Ilsa said is like tell the boy. The to, bo- like, yeah, I wrote yeah, that. Yeah, the, the boy playing piano. And I was like, uh, uh, Sam looks like a full grown man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and probably twice your age. Yeah. Well, it opens with that map of Africa, right? And it's colonial Africa. You have French Belgium, you have um, French Morocco, oh, so Bel- uh, Belgian Congo, and it was like, oh, right, this is the height of a particular colonialist mentality that we are about to zoom yes. into. Yeah, uh, but that colonialism that ended after World War II. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, or that now we move into the post-colonial process. Yeah, <laughs> yeah ex- exactly. Yeah. yeah. Neo-colonialism. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I did like, uh, I really liked this movie and I was expecting a little bit more, um, like drama. Like I was, I mean, it's like, there's drama, but I was expecting it to be a little bit more like heavy, but it was pretty like comedic. Um, there were so many, uh, lines in this movie that I was like, of course, like, 
oh, that's where that came from. Can you name like, some of those? Oh, I, I mean, I, I wrote down yeah. so many of them. <laughs> I mean, there's, uh, you know, here's looking at you, kid. Um, round up the usual suspects. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Yeah. Uh, which actually, like, right after this, I was like, uh, I did like some homework, and then I was like watching this other show called One Day at a Time, uh, <laughs> yeah. and that was like one of the first episodes I was watching, and someone like says that like, oh, this could, this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship, and I was like, oh, oh there it is. I literally that's, that's saw where this came from. Um, let's see. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon. But soon, and for and their, for someday, the and for the rest, rest of, of your life. The <laughs> so, problems of three people don't amount to a hill of beans. Oh, yes. yeah. And all the gin joints and all the towns in all the world. You have to walk into yeah. mine. But with all these quotes that are so famous and like so everything... The most famous quote from this yes. movie is not in it's this wrong. movie. It's it's one of the most famously misquoted films of all time because nobody ever in this film says, play it again, Sam. Oh. Yep. They say, play it, Sam, for old times. Oh. Yeah. And then, well, that's, that's what Ilsa says. And then Rick says, like, play it. If she can stand it, I can. Yep. But nobody ever says, play it again, Sam. Yep. And we'll always have Paris. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's another... So, so you said you. I, I want to go back to again first impression. So, what did you really like about it? What was the? Um, so yeah, there was the comedic element to it mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed, and how well like some of that held up even yes. for today. <laughs> like one of the ones where it's the uh, two Germans who are like on their way to America, and they're like talking about like how great their English is, and then <laughs> like I one's like, uh, "What watch?" And then she's like, watch. "Ten watch, such so much." much. Like, <laughs> I love that, and that gets to one of the things that I want to talk about about this film. But but go on, just we'll circle back to that. Um, but yeah, just like things like that, where a lot of it does still hold up, um, even like cinematically. Like you know, obviously, like you know, like there's like the the grain of it that looks you know mm-hmm. like a little bit outdated. But you could definitely see like some shots in there that are still being used to this yes, day. I will like, talk about the lighting later on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, like, I feel like yeah, there's a few of those like uh, Vaseline shots yes. that you get, to, <laughs> with, especially when it's like it's, you know like, zooming in on a close up of Ilsa, like Ingrid Bergman's <laughs> dewy face. Yes. Um, yeah, I also considering the time period, I do feel like Sam was treated with a lot more care than yes. he could have been considering. Yeah, the I mean, time. <laughs> not saying that Sam is like representative of how we would want a character like that to be in a movie today but for like 1943 it's like surprisingly progressive yeah like, yeah yeah i like the the at the end when he's bargaining for that well sam gets 25 percent stake and he's like well i know that he gets 10, 10 but i'll give him but 25, I'll give him 25. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um and that uh one of rick's fundamental characteristics is he doesn't buy or sell humans right and then yeah, that yeah. is one of his main and um, then ferrari character. being like the absolute creep that he is is like you could make a lot of money that way because <laughs> Ferrari is, is horrible yeah he's our, our black market rogue like who you know pretty much any like major CEO this day today would be like you yeah. could probably find but, some, but some common ground with Ferrari but he's still super charming yeah because it's Sydney Green Street and he's just like super charming and a horrible creep yeah. oh well like, that's like uh, I just watched uh, the 
I like I watched a lot of things yesterday because I was doing like a bunch of meal prep. But um, nice. I watched like the Fire Festival documentary. Oh, on so Hulu. did I. Yes, uh, the Hulu one. Yeah, and they're... I watched the Netflix one, so maybe oh, okay. we can do a dueling show on those two. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the, the yeah, guy we might have to do a versus. Um, but yeah, the guy uh, who you know like was the you know whole. Who put Billy. the whole thing yeah, together? Put all the, yeah, yeah, the Billy. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. They talk about how you know the sociopath like <laughs> okay. is very like charming and is and like knows how to uh, and like seeks out and finds those like voids that people have and like seeks to fill them and that's how they actually are able to manipulate people so well is because they are charming they are like you know or I didn't even think he was that charming I just think you know when you're like a white guy and you like speak with confidence that the default is to assume that you know what you're talking about, regardless of if you do or not. You're a tall, big, white dude. Yeah. Like, most CEOs are over six feet, right? There's all these biases in there about what we think strength is. Yeah, and so I feel like, yeah, Ferrari is kind of like, oh, yeah, he's willing to do whatever, but he comes off, like, you know, with, like, a nice little, like, grin and a smile, and you're like, okay, well, how bad could he be? (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, I mean, I think what makes this movie hold up and why it's like become such a beloved classic is because it's such a good script like it comes back to like a lot of those lines of dialogue that you're talking about it's like the themes it's like the whole love story it's the sacrifice it's like this is just a tremendous script and it's uh based on a play that i'm not sure was ever actually produced called everybody comes to ricks they pretty much just optioned the rights of this play and turned it into a film and the playwright basically did that rewrite um yeah, but, but Rick has so many great cynical lines, right? When they ask him what nationality he is, drunkard is his answer, <laughs> yeah. right? Kind of endless series of kind of wisecracks that he has as a defense mechanism but, that hold up today. Yeah. Coming back to what you were talking about with, like, the bartender's parents, like, I think one of the things that makes this movie so good is it's just full of these really vibrant minor characters. Like, it's the bartender himself, it's Sasha, it's the pickpocket, it's, um, like, his parents who have that one scene. Yeah. It, like, mm-hmm. it just has all these characters who have, like, a very limited amount of screen time, but, like, in that screen time, they really get to you, and you, like... Does Yvonne yeah. ever come back after her first scene? Yes. Yes. Okay. Y- Yvonne comes back into the bar with a German, German. soldier... And, switch sides. and a, a fight breaks out between the German and one of the French resistance fighters. But then Yvonne switches back when they play Les Mosaires and like the whole bar gets yeah. swept yeah, up. Yeah, the single. Can we talk off. about yes, the dueling anthem <laughs> scene? And uh, it, like, again, in doing research, uh, I didn't realize this, but most a lot of the actors kind of in those scenes were themselves refugees. Yeah, and right? so, and so like when this... when they cut to them like crying and everything, that, that was real because a lot of them were actually refugees. And the playwright, when he was writing it, also had tears in his eyes when he was writing that scene. Yeah, that was a really powerful scene that conveyed a lot without having to again be like explicitly like this is the moment where <laughs> yeah. these two forces <laughs> face off against each other yeah. in a dramatic battle and it was just like no it was like they're both singing and then like one start they start singing what is whatever yeah. the German the, the German start singing some German anthem or thing yeah and the the French national anthem overpowers everything with yeah and that yeah. was such a great moment where you felt the tension in that song like you felt the tension of those two voices yes. like clashing against each other and like as you could like you could clearly tell like the moment when it started to like push and like rise and then like overtake like the German Nazis like mm-hmm. singing their song it was 
It was fantastic. Yeah, and going back to Infinity War, right? It didn't involve any what I call boy fight, which is where like I don't know why superheroes punch each other so much. Like superheroes have natural powers. Come on, it didn't require a boy fight to set up that kind of tension and um, kind of showing two sides battling each other through song. Yeah. Well, and then like the very next thing that happens is uh, you know the Germans who have the like police chief of Casablanca like mm-hmm. in their pocket. You know, pretty much tell him to close down the bar. And that was another really great comedic moment. I think (laughs) might be the funniest part, moment in the entire film. He says, I am shocked, shocked, I say, to find that gambling is going on in this establishment. And then someone brings him his chips and says, you're winning, sir. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, that was a great moment. (laughs) I think my favorite joke in it is when Rick says something about like... um, there are certain sections of, of New York, yes, of New York that I would advise York, you, you not advise, to try to invade. Do not try and invade. <laughs> Just don't even try. <laughs> but again, this is very much from an American allied propaganda perspective, right? The whole the whole film is from that 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 vantage point, which yeah. is why the French national anthem wins out. Yeah, and, and coming to that and it not being this rah rah thing. We also have to take into account that this film came out in January of 1943. So we had been in the war for like about a year. And this doesn't have any sense of being propaganda. It doesn't have any sense of like this of being a war film. It's just a good movie. It happens to have like Nazis and World War II elements in it, but it's not like a propaganda film. Yeah, it came out. I think it's supposed to take place in December of forty one. It takes. Yeah, it does take yeah. place in December of forty one. Yep. Yeah. So I was trying because I was trying to backtrack like how long since they'd seen each other. So the <laughs> um, Paris occupation was June 14, 1940. So this is like a year and a half later. They haven't seen each other in a year and a half. And it's also interesting too uh, that considering it's a movie made by America during World War Two, it's not like a movie where like America comes out as like the hero in it, you know, again, that's, you know, things were still up in the air at that point. And so, you know, (laughs) but still like, it's one of those things where like almost any movie that you see that's made by America, like regarding World War II is just like, we are the underdogs. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like full of American patriotism. It's full of like French patriotism. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't center on the American, like one American character in it. Yeah. And yeah, sure. Like he, like he's the protagonist, but again, like his American like heritage is something that is like, yes, he wants to go back to America, but it's also not something that is like centered within the movie. It's centered Mm -hmm. on how he is like navigating through this world that he's living in. Yep. And that again, that he used to be part of the resistance and is now no yeah. longer. And at the end of the, too many times. And at the end of the film, he doesn't go back to America. No. Him and Raynaud go to join a resistance uh, group somewhere. Yes. Yeah. The beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> resistance. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, for me, it's that uh, going back to what, like, I think is it endure what why this movie endures is that it the formula of the romance is so well crafted, right? That you don't have yeah. to have the meet cute here because they already know each other, right? So you have the kind of long lost lovers, beautiful leads that are reunited, sent against like international tragedy, right? It's very heightened stakes yeah. for both of them, yeah, personally and um, politically. And, and it's like such great performances kind of all around. I mean, Ingrid Bergman in this movie is so outstanding. Yeah. Like the scene when she comes in and she has to play just the recognition of him, but not being able to do it. And it's, she gives such a layered 
performance of that situation and it's it's really impressive and um claude rains i think is one of the most definitive performances in movies in this reno is such a charming character and it's all just what claude rains is doing with this part i do love to when uh they do the the double double cross uh because uh rick goes to Renault to tell him that he should release Laszlo so that way they can catch him in the act so that way he can take their traveling papers so he can leave with Elsa <laughs> but actually he's actually trapping Renault to get Laszlo and Ilsa off to America without the Nazis being involved and get like all of the people that are watching him out of the picture. And then Laszlo, like instead of like calling the airport is like calls like the, uh, what's his name? Major Strasser. Yeah. Major Strasser. And is like, yes, we're going to the airport. Let the flight leave. Unintended, and then like hangs up, and you're like, dun dun dun. Yeah, so, so Reno, like, first he goes to that, but then when after Rick shoots Major Strasser, uh, Reno lets him off the hook. He says, Major Strasser has been shot. Round up usual suspects. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then when he and then he throws away a bottle of Vichy water. Yes. Symbolically, yes. like cutting his ties to the Vichy and all of that. And throws it in, <laughs> literally throws it in the trash. Yeah. But that was another. Uh, good comedic moment is when that turn happens between Renault and uh, Rick when he like pulls the gun on him and he's like you know take another step and you know <laughs> and he's yeah. like well like you know under the circumstances I will sit down <laughs> just like, yep you know I have, I have a gun pointed at my chest I think I'm gonna take a seat <laughs> yeah and he is a really really charming character despite like you despite him like kind of like playing both sides and also him kind of like playing to his own benefit. Yep. Uh, yeah, the turn at the end of like him actually like having, he has room for redemption at the end because he never really goes too far down that path. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's actively collaborating. He's just kind of looking out for himself. And so he's not like a full-blown Vichy collaborator, but he does have, that's why I think that turn pays off so well is that he's not, like he stops looking out for himself the same way that Rick does and starts looking out for like the betterment of the world at the end. And it's... Yeah. Well, we're going to take a little break here and then when we get back, we'll dig a little bit further. I'm sure Tara's got some very interesting <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. behind a the scenes. Of, like, a lot of you people know, have said a lot of things about this movie. <laughs> technical stuff. Well, yeah, you guys just, you got some more, more technical things. Yeah. And yeah. since we don't have like a spoilers to provide for this movie, we'll kind of dig into that yeah. a little bit more. Good. Yeah. And we'll be right back. Casablanca, Blanca. Casablanca. Casablanca. <laughs> we have to say it with the fake European accent. We get like the yeah, like the Spanish like feo feo, the like Casablanca. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it, 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 the Spanish Casablanca. <laughs> 
Yeah, this movie was so clearly, I, I guess having not seen it for a long time, it's so clearly shot entirely in L.A. Oh, <laughs> so... obviously so. Like, very much on sound stages entirely. Yes, I think there's one scene that's not. Like, the airfield where at the beginning, I think that's somewhere else in L.A. That's actually, like, a physical location outside. Yeah, and, and the uh, the shots of planes taking off and landing are the most modely looking models. Yes, and it's all rear screen projection, which I don't know. Yeah. Should I explain that, or does everyone know what that means? I mean, you go ahead. Uh, okay, so yeah. like you have two actors, and you have a screen behind them, and behind the screen is a projector, and it's projecting big and white, behind, you know, on the big white screen behind them, and film from in front. And so they do that when they're in Paris. Like, there's the Eiffel Tower, clearly, uh, definitely rear screen projection. Yeah. They're driving, and it's clearly impressionistic. So I think for a lot of modern audiences, they're like, these are terrible effects, but. For the oh, time, if, like. if you want to see some really great rear screen projection, watch Doctor No. Yes. Like the chase scene in Doctor No is super noticeable rear screen projection. Yes, if you just think of it as an element of the period, as opposed to "quote unquote" bad special effects, like the same way the lighting is super super stylized, right? So they're pulling on this kind of like pseudo Moorish um, kind of patterns that are everywhere. So we're looking at the video yeah, now. We're we're it everywhere, right now. shadows everywhere. So the way you make those shadows is with a kukuloris or a cookie or a gobo as it's called in theater, which is basically like a piece of metal that has shapes cut out in it and you put it in front of the lamp and then have these big- Like cast the light. Cast the light, big dramatic angles. And so it's almost film noir-ish, but not quite. It's certainly on a much bigger budget than something like this was. But I love the contrast and all the close-ups where you have Bogey's face, which is lit from the side so you can see every little wrinkle and every mark in his face, this gruff, cynical man and then cut to Elsa and her face yeah. Vaseline on the Vaseline the yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think if I remember correctly so someone can correct me if I'm wrong that um, uh, Isabella Rossellini her daughter uh, Ilsa, Ingrid Bergman's daughter was talking about how she, it was gauze that they would put over the lens like literally stretch gauze over the lens <laughs> to get that glowing softened effect but so you have the world weary Rick with this really hard side lighting and this super um, optimistic um, Ilsa beautiful glowing Ilsa. Yeah, and we do like hard shadows like this throughout the film. Like there's also one scene where Rick is getting money out of the safe and we just see it from the silhouette. Yep. Um, you can do that with gobos. You can also do this with shutters. Mm -hmm. um, very commonly shutters like either built into the light or attached out to the front of it. Yep. And I guess that for me, one of the things that, again, I'm trying to think of people who've never, you know, for a modern eye who's never seen this before, I, my one like uh, cringeworthy thing about this film is it really fits solidly in the genre of kind of two, a white hetero couple in love set against the backdrop of an it quote unquote exotic Orient or exotic Africa or exotic someplace. And yeah. there's that, that unfortunately is one of those traditions that still exists today, which is highly <laughs> problematic. Like the English patient, right? As the primo <laughs> example of that or. The Year of Living Dangerously. Set in oh, here's some of that uh, rear oh, projection. Here's some we're now seeing rear projection. <laughs> <laughs> Think of it as stylized. It's also memory, right? Yeah. Do the um, soft fade into memory. But I think that part of the reason I find it so cringeworthy now is that it really erases the legacy and violence of colonialism, right? It's just really focusing on these two characters and not it's kind of set as their romantic background, not as the reality of. Oh yeah. Lift, well, know? that's like this movie like could very easily take place like. In LA, like yes. you're like because yes. like we do have like all of these sets. When you like go into any like indoor place, yep. there's never any like black people or like anyone like <laughs> you know tanner than a paper bag. No. Like within these 
within any of like the inner uh, inner locations. And then we go out and there's like we'll these marketplaces the markets. where there's yeah. like still maybe like five or six who are like... <laughs> there are like a, a few Arabs yeah. here and there. Yeah. Uh, we're in Morocco. There's the only black person in Morocco is Sam. Yeah. Uh, but... Who's an American. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's uh, it definitely, I see that in terms of the erasing like a lot of the things that where it's like this could literally take place anywhere but you like wanted to like have this like this exotic feel or like this fantasy and then it somehow set aside you know set apart from day to day reality I would love to see this movie set this whole there was a a lot of escapism was happening in film at this time and like from the 40s up through like even the 60s a lot of film was about well I mean speaking of a movie that's uh, you know, could be set in a gas station. That is this retelling of Casablanca. We've got barbed wire. Barbed wire. <laughs> oh, guys, if you want to see a famously bad movie, it's um, it's a remake of Casablanca starring uh, Pamela Anderson. Pamela Anderson. Yeah. Yes, and it's gender flipped, where Pam Anderson is the Victor Laszlo character. And her like husband is the Ilsa character. And then there's the Zach Galifianakis movie, which I can't think of the name of, called like Out Loud or something. Oh, uh, Jim was telling me about yeah. this when he stopped by yesterday. I don't yeah. remember the name can't of it. I remember the name but, of yeah. it, but it, it quote, it's not exactly retelling, but it's a snowboarding movie from the <laughs> aughts. It's supposed to be like an '80s snowboarding movie that quotes half this movie. So, wow! Wow! Yeah! Yeah! There have been attempts at remakes. There have been attempts at sequels. Adaptations. Well, it just doesn't work because I think there are certain films that, like, can't be remade. And Casablanca, I think, is one of them. We talked about this when uh, we talked about Psycho, and they did that horrible remake of that. Like, you just can't do it because that film exists, and it's so good on its own. Yeah. And I think also, as for a romance movie, it appeals to a wide audience because it has that kind of star-crossed lovers, but it has just enough international intrigue that it's not just a quote-unquote romance. Yeah, like I remember when Silver Linings Playbook came out, I was so mad because they were marketing it as this uh, different kind of film. I'm like, this is a romance movie. Why are they not marketing it that way? It's like, oh, right, because of the bias against quote-unquote women's films. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's so ridiculous. <laughs> Especially considering that, like, they can be really good. Yes. Like, <laughs> it's usually when it's you know handled by usually by women, it usually turns out a lot better. Or if it's something where, uh, like, Crazy Rich Asians, where it actually has like some like social implications that it explored as well, as opposed to being just like a flat romance, but also still does romance very well. well yep. Uh, and so like it's one of those things where yeah, when you're examining this like kind of banal like source material as far as like boy falls in love with girl and it's like kind of like baseline like because it's usually like white and so it's just like (laughs) the most like like like, literal like white bread like story where it's like oh yeah let's add some flavor by putting it in this exotic place or like yeah these types of things where it's like you could just tell better stories. Yes. Well, yeah. I, mean, I, think, yeah. I think romance movies and romance stories get a bias because it's, people equate them as being like a Nicholas Sparks novel yeah. or something, <laughs> instead of it being Casablanca or Silver Linings Playbook or yeah. Crazy Rich Asians. But or, like it, it, but anything that has a formula or that's a genre, like there are really bad formulaic action movies. Oh and yeah, we can talk about those that way. But again, that there's this perceived 
you know, like, well, it's just, we already know how this is going to end. Yeah, I know how any Die Hard movie is also going to end. Yeah, that's exactly. not the point yeah. of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> going to blow up the bad guys, and, and then that's going to be... And Bruce Willis <laughs> will be still alive, remarkably, at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's all logic and odds. <laughs> yep. um, anything else people want to add? Uh, I have a couple little things I just love. Uh, it's one of these little moments that I love is when he opens up the note from her on the train station in the rain, and yes. the ink from the <laughs> note is starting to bleed down. Oh, and, like, yeah. The tears in the rain. It's, like it's tears such an... Um, rain. <laughs> like tears in the rain. Not to bring us into a whole talk about Blade Runner. Yep. But, <laughs> you. <laughs> um, but it's just such a great visual moment, and it says yes. so much, like... Um, yes, and it's become, you know, that that's one of those things that's considered kind of hokey now because it's kind of to- so over the Because it's been aped so many yes, times. Like, so, people are like, stealing that from this movie. Yes, the expressionistic, of course the ink runs just like my tears in the rain. <laughs> yes. yeah. um, I love the way that the young couple um, is sprinkled throughout the whole yes. movie. Like, at the beginning, you see them in the market and you see them popping up here and there and all out throughout the thing until we get to their story in the cafe where Rick lets the guy cheat at roulette to get them the money to buy their way out. It's, it's amazing. And that's the first turn that he might, there might be a sentimentalist under that cynical shell. Exactly. That <laughs> um, might do it for my... No- oh, um, throughout this, I was looking at Ingrid Bergman and I was like, she is really reminding me of some contemporary actress and I can't think of who it was until I thought she looks like Brie Larson. Really? No, I think she Sorry, looks a little bit like Brie Larson. We are, we are actually, we have the movie running in the background right now. But I think, I don't know. It's just from a certain angle, she looks like Brie Larson. I think the, she looks more like Judy Garland. Yeah, the, yeah. her hair certainly is styled in that 40s way here. To me, she looks like her daughter. So yeah. <laughs> she, she looks like Isabella Rosalina. Um, so I guess all I have left is that this movie has an 8.5 on IMDb. It has a 100 on Metacritic, uh, 97 Rotten Tomatoes, and a 95 Audience Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, nice. So I've got a question. If you guys, I this is like impromptu, and so if you haven't thought of it, just you know, it's whatever. But if you were to recast this movie with current day actors, like everything else yeah, would yeah, stay yeah. the same, Oof. but like. Oof, how close to their age difference? Because again, I did the math, and she was 26 shooting this film, and he was 41. So oh yeah, keeping the age difference. No, we don't. Also that's, I was actually yeah. just like looking at them on screen together, and I was like, oh yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're kissing right now. Um, like, oh. No, it doesn't have to be. It could be like, mm. I think. Uh, hmm. mm. I'm trying to think of someone who might have like the, like kind of finesse. To like handle a character that has like some comedic elements, but also like a little bit of gravitas mm-hmm. uh, for uh, you know Rick's character, mm-hmm. and then for Ilsa's character, someone who has a kind of vulnerability but also strength. Yeah, I think yeah. like Rosamund Pike would be like oh yeah uh-huh. a good oh like, that's good yeah, yeah. yeah. Rosamund yeah. Pike is good yeah yeah, yeah. yep okay um, so and then male lead older. Someone who can play cynical and wisecracking, but also have kind of like some empathy in somewhere under there. Mm. I'm like blanking on it. Yeah, no, that's yeah, I'm blanking on Rick. I was trying to Maybe think like of a, somebody for Renault, and um, this is going to be 
that probably won't make any sense to Craig because Idris Elba. Yeah, I was like, say, yeah, I was like, say, Idris Elba is our Rick. One hundred percent Idris Elba and Rosamund Pike on screen together, just like, oh, oh my god. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I, I was trying to think of Renault and. Um, Somebody who reminds me of Renault is the guy who plays Garrick on Deep Space Nine. I don't know the actor's name um, off the top of my head, but that's like a wild pull. Like that's mm-hmm. so I'm trying to think of somebody who would Someone be a good Renault. Someone who can play that like almost sleazy, but still like you still like them even though they kind of flip flop. I feel like maybe uh, like Josh Gad. He was I like, think Josh Gad's a little too Josh goofy. He was like, um, who's he's the, the snowman? He's um, what's the, the snowman in Frozen? He's uh, he's someone in Beauty and the Beast. He's the guy that hangs out with oh, he's Gaston. in uh, Doubt, uh, Downton Abbey. No, no, he's an American actor. Oh. He's anyway, uh, whatever. But I think Josh Gad's a little too goofy. Okay, I, I think okay. we need somebody who can who's a little more serious but still has like the charm and the comedy and that is that's just a tough pull but again all i can think of is claude rains you know <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of crazy rich asians because you said it and um can how about sam neill oh, I, I think sam neill could pull it off yeah oh i like him in it i know i was like <laughs> that's, that's yeah. exactly yeah. what i was thinking of. and i was thinking of um Hunt for the Wilder People. Yes, like yes. he's definitely got like some like some serious like he's gruff, gruff. but then he's also like got some moments where it's like when he when he kind of break through that yes. you can kind of see a little Freaky bit of it. Baker. Yeah. Freaky Baker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, awesome. So yeah, I have some recommendations for folks if you like this movie, things you may not have heard of. Should I jump into that? Well, we'll take a little break, okay. and then when we come back, we'll kick off those recommendations. That was our appreciation. <laughs> we want you to watch yeah, this. For yeah. Casablanca. Casablanca. Yes. Blanca. Casablanca. Casablanca. <laughs> uh, yeah, so now we're going to kick it off with some recommendations. And Tara will let us know what you should watch if you like this movie. If you like this movie. So I have a couple different directions to go in. So one is if you love um, Ingrid Bergman kicking ass and being an amazing actress. Uh, I think it was just before this one, or right contemporary, is Spellbound by Hitchcock. I don't know if you all have seen that, but she plays um, uh, a character who is sort of being gaslighted. Not to be confused with her actual movie that she's in, where she's gaslighted. Um, But it also includes scenes that were designed by Salvador Dali, like her Mm. dreams. It's really fantastic. So Mm. that's a great movie from the same era. Um, if it's the star-crossed romance set in the backdrop of um, kind of characters just post-World War II is Brief Encounter. I don't know if anyone's seen that by David Lean. He directed Lawrence of Arabia and Bridge on the River Kwai and a whole bunch, but this is his romance, oh. right? And um, I think it was made in the 90s, maybe with Julianne Moore, but see the original, see the, see the 40s version. Um, if it's the um, kind of international political intrigue and concern about like who's collaborating with the the uh, occupying government. Ang Lee's Lust Caution for anyone who has not seen that film. This is a gem of his that is kind of 
forgotten in part because it was banned in large parts of the world. Oh. <laughs> and it's about um, um, a young actress who is infiltrating the Japanese, uh, the Japanese, uh, sorry, the uh, Chinese collaborative government with the Japanese occupiers and bring your hankies because it is very, very sad and also, um, and very tragic. Also, uh, try and get what's sometimes called the X-rated version because it is intentionally like a very erotic, explicit film. And so I would highly recommend that. And last but not least, um, when Harry Met Sally, because yes, when Harry Met Sally mentions movie. this movie twice, it talks about Casablanca twice. <laughs> and one of the great things about When Harry Met Sally is the that kind of meat cute that I was talking about lasts for the first like twenty five minutes of the movie. It's not even a meat cute. It's a just throw these characters in a car together for days at a time. Yeah, hours I, at a time. I love When Harry Met Sally. It's great. Very nice. Colin, what do you got for us? Um, I'm going to a similar vein. If you like movies from the 40s, especially movies from the 40s with Humphrey Bogart and Peter Lorre, yep. The Maltese Falcon. Yes. Um, but I'll also just recommend another podcast I just started. Um, it's called The Beef and Dairy Network. It's on Maximum Fun, but it's a comedy podcast about like imaginary podcast about like the beef and dairy industry and it's english and just very dry and and silly british it's very british <laughs> and very funny so um like i've only like a couple episodes in and the first few episodes are only like 10 to like 15 minutes mm-hmm. so yeah the beef and dairy network very nice uh and i will recommend let's see i'll do a game and a podcast uh so i recommend gris or gris it's the French word for gray. Gris? I don't know. Is that like gris? <laughs> We're just going to say everything. In Either way. Yeah, yeah. Someone will pick it up. <laughs> and it is one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. Uh, it's got like this amazing um, like watercolor palette. Uh, and you, it's like one of, it's relaxing. It's not like super intense. Uh, it's definitely one of those games where like I've listened to the soundtrack like over and over and over again since I've since I played it, uh, and every single frame of this game could just be like a desktop like screensaver background, nice. uh, and it is fantastic. Uh, I'm not remembering who the developer is, and I can't what leave this program. Uh, so it is, uh, I believe, on Steam, mm-hmm. um, and it is also on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, so it's like an indie game. Uh, it's yeah, you can get it through Steam or the Switch. I'm not sure if it's on like the PS PlayStation Network or on Xbox Live. Um, but yeah, it is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's relaxing. It's very tranquil and also um, explores a lot of concepts in terms of like loss and um, in a very like beautiful way without using like any words throughout oh. the entire thing. Like it's yeah. All right, I'm uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Gris. And for my podcast, I recommend What the Tuck. Um, it is a RuPaul Drags Race uh, recap podcast Ooh, with nice. Nicole Byer and Joel Kim Booster. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like I don't have cable, so like I haven't even like watched like yeah. RuPaul's I mean, Drag I, would, Race. I would listen to this without watching the show. Yeah. If it's Nicole Byer and Joel Kim Booster talking about RuPaul's Drag Race. Sign yeah. me up. So yeah, they have like a lot of amazing guests on there so far. Um, like Louis Fertel from Keep It, um, Mateo Lane, I believe, Manu Agapian, 
Um, yeah, it's it's very like amazing. I love it. Uh, so yeah, what the tuck is my other recommendation. All right, so on that note, if you are listening to this now, you should just like hit the follow button. If you've gotten to this point, like just follow us. Why not? <laughs> Do it. Or if there's like a like and subscribe, like if a like a a, a uh, like subscribe, whatever, all the stuff. But also give us a rating, give us a review. Yeah, I mean, if you're at this point, like you probably got a pretty good idea of if you like it or not. If you gotten this far and you didn't like it, then I mean. Congratulations, I guess. Thanks. Um, I'm glad you hung in there. Yeah. But if you've gotten this far and you do like it, then please leave us a review, leave us a rating, follow us. Um, You can follow us online. We are on Twitter. We're at IWYTWT. We are on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash IWYTWT. You can find both Colin and myself individually. Colin, where are you at? I am at Colin Munch. And I am at Catharticus. And you can email me. Yep. Or you can, you know, email us and we'll pass it along. Us and we'll we'll, we'll send it if, if it needs sending. So, yeah, thank you all for joining us. If you're listening to this before Valentine's Day, we're sending out love vibes to everybody. Happy yeah. Valentine's Day. <laughs> or if you're single and you don't give a fuck about Valentine's Day, happy single awareness ha- day. Exactly. Like, Woo-hoo. happy, like, do whatever the fuck you want today because... Do something you, good. Yeah. <laughs> or, or if you're in a relationship and you don't care about Valentine's Day, happy February. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, happy Black History Month that's going yeah. on right now. Like, yeah, go find something, like, to support... Celebrate. Yeah, support, like, some black people, support some black queer people, like, support, support, support. support. With your dollars, like, you know, that's the best way to support people. You don't have to spend a lot of money, you know. I buy comics all the time, and if I see something with, you know, an an author that I recognize, an artist that I recognize that I love, and that is also, like, you know, black and or queer, I will pick it up. I'll try it for an issue at least. Like, I usually buy two. I buy one for me and one to give away. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's little things, and you can... Do those little things and it actually has like a big impact. So, um, yeah, support artists, support creators, support black people. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next time.